Good morning. I'm uh, glad you're here, and I hope after we're done, you're glad you were here as well. But we're going to talk about something. When I was in graduate school, seminary, I never imagined I'd be talking about zombies in church. I just said, <laughs> it's not something I was prepared for, not something you know they get you ready for. But uh, we're going to look really today at the zombie genre. Um, I'd never seen a zombie movie in my life until this week. I did do a little research and went to World War Z. And uh, interesting. It was, it was entertaining. I went with very low expectations because I'm just not drawn to the, the genre. I don't, I don't like to be startled. And <clears throat> zombies are creepy, man. Let me tell you, they are creepy. They're creepy. They're unsettling. They're disturbing. They jump out at you or they surprise you. I, I don't like any of those things. And I, I think one of the things that makes zombies deeply disturbing is that they, they sort of, they're human beings, but they're like a shell of a human being. They're empty shells. And uh, they, they've been damaged. That really bothers me, and I'm sure it bothers you, and uh, we're drawn to that because it's somehow this, this art form mirrors a, some of our reality that we experience as human beings. And this movie, Jerry Lane, who happens to be Brad Pitt, is a UN investigator who's got to help try to solve the problem. The world's being taken over by zombies. These zombies are quick. They're fast. Most zombies, you know, from my understanding, they're, they're kind of slow. You know, they don't... But these guys are quick, you know, they just sort of stand around in a stupor and then when they hear something, they attack. But this, this zombie genre has really grown exponentially over the last 10 or 15 years. Many, many hit shows and movies have become parts of our popular culture, like The Walking Dead, the hit show. I watched about 10, 15 minutes of that this week and then... I decided I'd have to watch a whole lot to understand what in the world's going on, so I didn't have the time, and, and I just bailed out. But The Walking Dead, very, very popular TV show. Shaun of the Dead, which was a parody or a spoof of the whole zombie genre. The book and the movie World War Z that we're sort of launching from today and looking at the reality behind what you picture in these things. Um, really all started with the Night of the Living Dead a long time ago. Uh, there have been parodies, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. I don't know if you've heard of that one. Uh, and I'm sure that's fascinating. And then video games. There are a lot of zombie video games. Resident Evil, Judge Dredd versus Zombies, Plants versus Zombies, uh, Pro Zombie Soccer. They, I mean, and on and on. It, it's really a part of our culture uh, in here in America, and just in getting ready for the message, seems like zombies are, are all over the place. There's a car commercial where the zombies fear this particular new car over any of the other new cars. Uh, the FEMA and the CDC encourage you to uh, buy emergency kits, supplies, and to be prepared for whatever, and they use zombies to sort of stir up the fear so that you'll be prepared. Um, check out these pictures. Here, here's one. Caution. Zombies ahead. L look, look at this. The Zombie Survival Guide. Complete protection from the living dead. 
<laughs> I like that one. I wonder how many of that sold. You know, I, I should check on Amazon, see, see how popular it is. And then uh, you can be a lifetime member of the Zombie Research Society. Uh, there, there are humans versus zombie competitions on college campuses, week-long battles where you try to be the last one standing, I guess with, without getting bit uh, by the zombie. May, you may not have known this, May is Zombie Awareness Month. I mean, it's all over the place. I mean, you just, you know, there, it's, it's one of the things that's going on right now. Why is it so popular? Why, is, why is, are people drawn to this? Well, I'm sure there are a lot of reasons, but uh, for uh, brevity's sake, just some speculate that the zombie boom will be a reminder of the frightening uncertainties of this decade. That was uh, written by Tori Bosch, who writes for Slate magazine. Um, as people become more and more concerned with the economy, uh, their future, their kids' future, and the way relationships tend to go in our world, many, many have looked to the zombie apocalypse to compare and feel better about what they're going through. Um, that's one thing that may be happening. But I think there's stuff going on in the backdrop as well, and I, I really don't want to make too much of this, but here's some thoughts on what could be going, uh, going on. Zombies represent a destructiveness that exists in the world. Pain is real, life is messy. Uh, something's wrong, and we're not quite sure how to fix it. I, I, I do believe that's, that's something in our hearts that we struggle with. Something's wrong with the world. We're not quite sure how to fix it. There's a, a worldwide pandemic in the zombie genre that is threatening to break out or has broken out, uh, the pain and the problems that come. And that's not just in, in the movies. We see destruction and trouble and suffering uh, in our lives as well. You turn on the news, it can be pretty depressing. Don't have a lot of happy stories on the news. I, I believe there are a lot of happy stories going on, but you don't see them on the news anyway. As people face uncertainties, the, the zombie uh, genre blows it up to an extreme. So you can compare, and comparatively, you know, we're doing okay. Zombies can also be a symbol of what we experience in relationships. Left on our own, you know, natively, we tend to want our way, we think we deserve it, and we're, we're okay with hurting people around us to get what we want. Sometimes there's this devouring aspect that goes on in our relationships. Uh, the bottom line, the zombie genre represents the problems that exist in our world, and that may be why it strikes such chord with fans of, of zombies, maybe why it's so, so popular, because there's something in there that we can relate to. That's actually how art is. Art sort of tugs on part of your experience and um, draws you in a direction. Now, I'm personally not nervous about a zombie apocalypse. It doesn't really concern me. Um, but I have experienced the unsettling reality that something's wrong with the world. Uh, I've experienced that reality by my own choices, by the choices of others. And many times the future looks bleak in our country, in the world at large. And it's easy to think that we're headed uh, into our own pandemic of whatever 
is going to break out. The Bible actually addresses this uh, and addresses the the picture of a zombie, really, the, the picture that the zombie genre paints. In fact, the Bible makes reference to the living dead as a picture of humanity. And we're going to dig into a passage that guides us through this backdrop to uh, what we can do uh, in response to God, what he's done in relation to these things. There's there's something wrong that we can't fix. There is a problem. So let's discover what God says about that. First of all, Ephesians 2 points to the problem. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sin, in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So this, this is a condition that everybody on the face of the earth is in. That's what Scripture's saying. And we get a clear picture of our spiritual reality that we're born into. It says that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. So in a spiritual sense, we are all born the living dead. We're all born, uh, in, in, in this sense, zombies. This is a spiritual state that we're born into as human beings. It's the picture. And even though we're alive physically, we're dead spiritually. And these verses describe what it's like to be alive physically and dead spiritually. I noticed the different zombie movies and The Walking Dead, I've only seen two, okay, but they picture zombies a little bit differently. And, um, but they're picturing the same reality. These are the living dead, the walking dead, the undead. Um, and these verses describe uh, God's understanding from his perspective what's actually going on in our world. What happened is the first man and the woman, uh, first woman, decided to rebel and live without God's help, uh, not living his way, going their own way, and he allowed them to make this choice. He wanted to have a real relationship with them, so he allowed them to choose not to go his way, to live life independently of them. They made that choice, and the consequence of this choice is separation from God and the life that he possesses. God, God is, he, he is eternal, and so he possesses eternal life. And when we decided to go our own way and not live the way God wanted us to, that cut us off from the kind of life that he has available for us. So, this phrase, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. That's, that's a description of spiritual death. Every one of us have been infected by the choice of the first man and the first woman. Uh, we've been bitten like a zombie bite. And we've also rebelled against God, and this has cut us off from knowing God personally and from the life that he really wants us to have for eternity and experience right here and now. Now, there are some key phrases in this passage. Could you back up to that scripture for me on the screen? I, I didn't. I should have added it again. But there are some key phrases in that passage 
that um, describe what the state is that we're in, what it looks like, our spiritual reality. First one, it says we're following the course of this world. Uh, rather than living God's way and doing his will, we are following the course of the world at large. We're the, there's a current in the world. Since the first man and first woman decided to go independent from God, to sin, to rebel against God, the whole world is pulled that direction. There's a current in the world that is going away from God. And so we, we walked in that way. We, we followed the course of the world. The ideas, the beliefs, the values, the goals, the standards, the role models, the methods, the rewards, and the lifestyle that you see in the world system, um, it flows the opposite of the things that are valuable and the ways of God. It flows ag against the current of, of his, his ways. It is the current flowing. Um, since we are living independent of him, I, I think that makes sense. Then it says that we're following the prince of the power of the air. Uh, when God made the first man and woman, uh, he put them in charge of the earth. They, they were put here. One of our roles was to manage the earth. And so it was the stewardship of human beings to take care of this world. And what happened is Satan, an angelic being, tricked the first man and woman into rebelling against God. In doing that, he gained some influence in the world at large. And so therefore, he's referred to as the prince of the power of the air. He has some influence in what's going on, it's a limited influence, but he, he does have it. He gained it. He gained the access to the influence by tricking the first man and woman into doing what they good, did. So uh, our first ancestors followed him, and uh, we, we tend to do the same natively. And then it says, we once lived in the passions of our flesh. When the Bible uses the term flesh, it's talking about trying to live life on your own without God's help. We have native strategies, we have native uh, ways of thinking, we have a native approach to things, and we try to get our way, we try to get what we want by using these. And we're, in doing that, we're not relying on God to give us what we need, but we're trying to get it our way. And that's, that's what this is a reference to. We, we lived in the passions of our foot. We wanted something. We had a passion for something. We went to get it our own way without relying on God. Uh, and that's the way it is. Like we saw early, it seems like zombies are showing up all over the place in movies and, and on TV. And a friend shared a blog with me uh, that points to some of the realities behind the zombie craze and why it might resonate with uh, so many people, which is what art tends to do sometimes. The, the article points out that zombies show us what we can easily become. They're a metaphor of the way human beings can easily become less than human. And they're probably a picture of, they're all predators. From what I can tell, all zombies are predators. You know, you, you want to take them out if you can. Um, but that's, that's a picture of the worst of human beings. 
there's a slide that we can take, and the worst of us are predators. And this, this zombie genre is a picture of that. Uh, we just saw uh, an explanation from Scripture of this metaphor, the, the backdrop to it. One of the most chilling lines I read about in the Dawn of the Dead, which it talks about in this article, it comes when a horrified character is being chased by the zombies, and they say to, to the other, what are they? And the answer is, they're us. That's all. They're us. And so there's a sense that, you know, we're, we, we resonate with this living dead thing. Later, the article says that zombies remind us of where we're all headed. And in most, I think in most um, movies, zombie movies, I don't know, I'm not an expert. I've, you know, I'm new to the whole thing, frankly. I wouldn't have looked into it if I wouldn't, if they wouldn't have picked this movie to do the theme on. I would not have dug in, I promise. Um, but anyway, uh, they tend to move slow. They slowly go after the at least in the, in the uh, very early movies and things. They were slow and they were in a stupor state. And uh, the, the comment here is, is that the psychological horror of the zombie is rooted in the creeping realization that we too are the walking dead. Philip Larkin, the poet, said, life is slow dying. Zombies represent the slow but inevitable approach of death. They, they don't need to move fast because they know they will get you in the end. I remember my dad was about 92, and I went, went in, and my parents lived with us for five years, and we were taking care of them, and so uh, there are a lot of things to learn about life as you take care of somebody in their last years. And um, they were, I, I remember my dad, he was just sitting there in, in, in the room, just kind of looking off just staring out. I said, hey, Dad, what's going on? He said, just waiting. Oh, what are you waiting for? Just waiting. Just waiting to die. I, I believe that's what was going on. He was just waiting. This is something that's very inevitable. That's why we can relate to the creepy zombie coming after us. It, this reflects, this whole genre reflects the reality of Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. certainly doesn't prove it, but it reflects it. We're all born spiritually dead. It's, it's pandemic in, in the scope. Thankfully, we can find the cure. Okay, I'm going to get off the morbid stuff, onto the cure. I don't know about you, but I'm glad. I'm glad there's a cure. Uh, we can find the cure, and Ephesians 2, 4 through 7 points to it. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in transgressions and trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. God, who is rich in mercy, to have, to, for someone to give you mercy means that you don't get the punishment that you deserve. That's what it means to, to have mercy given to you. And when God made us, 
And he made us so that we can enjoy a relationship with him. We broke that relationship off. He, he honors that choice. He lets us rebel. He allows us to cut off the relationship with him. And we deserve to live forever without him. Because that's what we chose. But in his mercy, he doesn't let us experience that if we choose to accept his grace. Because that's the other key word here. Grace. Mercy means that we don't get the punishment that we deserve, and grace means that we receive a gift that we haven't earned. And this is the foundation of what it means to be a follower of Christ. This is crucial to understand. You have to understand these things if you're going to really be able to grow and experience life the way that God wants you to. It says, by grace you have been saved, and... Uh, God raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. God has graciously provided a cure for the pandemic created by sin. Notice that God made us alive. He has provided a cure that we couldn't provide ourselves. We were dead. Spiritually, what that means is, to be spiritually dead means you can't do anything for yourself. You're, you're a spiritual corpse. Um, many times, the separation between man and God is pictured by, with a canyon. You know, it's a canyon. There's, there's a canyon separated, separating God and us. It's created by our sin, and it's a bottomless pit. And we're dead spiritually, so we can't jump. Have you ever seen a dead man jump? I've never seen a dead man jump. Dead, dead people don't jump. We cannot jump across the canyon. We can't even jump at all. We can't even get up and start walking. Because we're dead. And so it's God who made us alive in Christ Jesus. He gave us life. He, he makes us alive. Jesus is the only way to life because he died for our sins and was resurrected. Which brings us to a major point. You see, we don't need resuscitation. We need a resurrection. We don't need to be resuscitated. Religion is an attempt to jump the canyon on our own power. Spiritually, we can't get anywhere. We, we cannot make it. Jesus told us that we are born again when we give up our pursuit of our own righteousness to please God. When we give it up, when we admit our sin, we admit that we're dead spiritually, we admit our condition, and we trust it all to Jesus Christ our entire life. We, we allow him to do for us what we couldn't do. Religion is an attempt to jump the canyon on our own power, trying to be good enough, trying to go, to go to church, trying to read the Bible, trying to do kind things to others, to do good. It's an attempt to jump that canyon. We can't do that. We're dead. Following Christ is a relationship, not a religion. And until we admit our spiritual condition and trust Christ fully, we will never resuscitate ourselves. It's impossible. It just, it just can't happen. 
God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Jesus Christ. It's a spiritual reality that we're given a very high position in, in the world. God has taken us, one guy said, God has taken us out of the graveyard and he's put us in the palace. He's put us in the same room with himself. If you'll accept what God's done, if you'll receive his mercy and grace and entrust your life to Christ, you get a place of honor and privilege before him. And it means we live in his presence in a special way. So that's the picture of the, the reality of the problem, the cure, and now what is our response? Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. Couldn't do it. We're dead. Can't do anything. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If we want the eternal spiritual life that God offers, then we must, first of all, accept the gift he graciously offers by faith. This makes us alive. Not anything we do, but we, we choose faith. We put our complete trust in what Jesus Christ has done, and we trust him to lead us, to guide us in every arena of life. We, we trust him to lead us to the best kind of life right here and now. We put our life in his hands, and we trust him alone, not ourselves, no one else, nothing else. Not religion, nothing else, but, but Christ alone. Second, we walk, our response is to walk in the good works that God has prepared for us to do. He made us to do these things. And now, if you've decided to follow Christ, you do good to please God who has given you eternal life, not to try to earn it. You, you set your heart to please him, not trying to earn God's pardon, not trying to earn his favor, but because you have his favor, because there's no use trying to jump a canyon if you're a dead person. And this is the way we grow. So this motivates us, because God's poured his grace and mercy into our life, it motivates us to say no to our flesh when we want to devour the people around us, when we want to use our words to put them down, to let them have it, to show them what's right and who we really are, when we want to use our words out of spite or envy, when we want to um, turn a cold shoulder because somebody's hurt us, disappointed us, we want to make them pay. Instead of that, we, we look for ways to do good to the people around us every day out of gratitude for the grace and mercy that God has poured into our life. We take the time to help a co-worker rather than always be competitive. Uh, maybe we see a need, we give generously to that need. We say a kind word when the opportunity arises, a word of encouragement. I don't know about you, I need God's Spirit to do that. Many mornings I get up, I don't really necessarily want to do good. I just want everybody to stay out of my way so I can do what I need to do and get my goals accomplished. I, I need God's help to really turn inside out and begin to look at others, and that's what God does. He puts his spirit in you once you decide to follow Christ, once you accept him by faith. 
and decide to follow him, he puts his spirit in you and he motivates you to do good, the good works that he's created for you to do. And then final, the final good thing that Christ followers can do is to tell others about the cure. We can let others know. We can identify with Christ, just let people know we're Christ followers. We can tell others about the, the difference that Jesus has made, give a word of testimony. We can explain how he's blessed us, how he's changing us, uh, how he's brought a quality of life I didn't expect. Uh, and then we can explain the basic way to connect with God. We can learn the good news, how to explain that to people, and we can explain it to others. Now, who would have thought that zombie movies uh, would have such an uh, important message? I wouldn't have. I've stayed away for 55 years and a little. I've stayed away from them. Didn't want to have anything to do with them. The cultural fascination with zombies reflects a sense that we all have a spiritual re reality that we face. Zombies are animated corpses. That's what they are. And may they point us toward our need for resurrection, not just resuscitation, but resurrection. And those of us who experience the resurrection that Jesus gives, may we not go back to trying to resuscitate ourselves, but may we walk in the mercy and grace that God's poured into our lives and live differently based on the power that God has given us through the resurrection of Christ. May we do that. May we all trust our lives to him and experience the life that he wants us to have. I'd like to wrap up the message by looking at some next steps this morning. If you would, please pull out your connection card. Um, it's in your program, or maybe you already have it out of your program. Uh, you may finish completing any information that you haven't had a chance to fill out or maybe some of these next steps that I'm suggesting. We like to look at these because... As you get into scripture, you see truth about life, and understanding opens up as you take steps to do what you read about in the Bible. And so that's why we do this every week. Uh, here are some suggestions. Uh, my next step today is to thank God for making us alive in Christ. Thank God for making me alive. Just set some time aside today to thank God for that. Uh, maybe a next step would be to take a specific step to share Christ with someone this week. Either identify yourself as a Christian, share your testimony, invite someone to a service here uh, to share the gospel with them. And then another step would be for the first time, I'm deciding to accept Jesus as my Savior and follow him as my Lord. I'm going to quit trying the religious route. I'm just going to trust him. Just going to trust him. To, to do for me what I can't do for myself. And then there's some other steps you could take. I really like to, before I lead us in prayer, I'd like to ask the band to come on up uh, as I begin to get ready to pray. But um, I'd like to encourage you to go to the Wisdom one day. That's going to be very helpful. Uh, one of the sessions is going to be on family life, uh, how, how to work with your family to, to really make a difference in the world, and then how to train kids and grow them up to be godly people. And then uh, the second half, the afternoon session, is going to be on decision-making, something I found very helpful. I've heard most of the content uh, before, but I need reminders, and I, I think you'll find that's going to be a very, very helpful time. Would you 
pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth we find in your word, and I thank you for making us alive, those of us who've decided to accept your gift that you're offering by faith, you've given us life. And I pray for everyone here, God, that you give us all just the, the understanding of who you are and just the, the help that we need to accept you for who you are and to step out to follow you as Lord by faith. We ask for your help in these things you've set on our heart to do, and I pray that you'd be honored as we do them in the name of Jesus Christ.